the Minister of Agriculture and Trade. His name is Damien O'Connor. And Damien, busy times for you, and often you politicians get a bit of stick, but I wouldn't want your job with what you've got to deal with at the moment, all the trouble here in New Zealand, and you have just been on a whistle-stop trade tour uh, to Japan as well. We'll come back to that. Let's look at the flood-ravaged growers and farmers. What is your message to them? Oh, look, um, hang in there and... um Look across the fence and connect with your neighbour if you can. Um, it is a really tough time, and I have to say, being on the ground up there, uh, you know, it's it's worse than I had uh, thought. You know, from the photos, and and more and more stories are coming through, and I think people are starting to realise the significance um, and the horrific, um, uh, you know, dilemma that faced many people on the night and uh, of course a long way to go before we can recover but uh, look we've set up our task force there's a lot going on um, to try and recover Um, but the response of course is which is just over although there's still some rain falling um, and in a couple of the regions we've we've got to be mindful that that things you know might get worse before they get better so uh, and until all of that mud dries out it's hard to make real progress. Yeah, I'm trying to get onto the show today uh, as Puterino, I think that's where he's from. Excuse the pronunciation if I've got it wrong. Scott Arthur, he's actually a friend of Rowena's. Uh, and he sent me a text before. He's got terrible coverage. They've lost coverage again. He's halfway between Napier and Wairoa on the inland side of State Highway 2. But he was saying isolation has set back in. This is following the last rain event. Yeah. More bridges compromised. Farmer stress setting in. No ability to offload stock. And one of the big worries I have, Damien, from the outside looking in, not only for farmers and growers, but for everyone affected, uh, is the mental health ramifications. Look, it is. And, you know, it's, it's physically impossible to get people into some of those places. As I say, the the resilience of farmers, which is amazing, but in some of these, you know, isolated spots, um, it's going to be hard even to get the neighbour. As I say, wherever possible, if people can connect up, um, and and that, as I say, uh, not possible in some areas, but you know, as much as as can be done is being done in terms of helicopter transport, food being taken in, uh, connections being made, and infrastructure being reinstated. But of course, as I say, rain's coming down and putting some of that at risk. So. Uh, look, it, it, it's a challenging time for all and we just have to reach out uh, in any way we can to those people who uh, are isolated or might feel isolated. It's much the same thing really if, if you're struggling on your own. How can farmers and growers apply for cyclone relief and who actually qualifies? Um, look, it's anyone who earns more than 50% of their income from, from the land and uh, we've already had in terms of the MPI, and there's another grant for businesses, so there'll be many businesses that are connected to the primary sectors that will be able to apply for the other $25 million. But uh, that which we announced last week, um, we've already had 1,500 applications. We've got 660 of those have been approved, and we've got $8 million uh, out the door already. So we're moving, and I have to thank the MPI staff who've worked tirelessly over the weekend to try and process those and get some cash in the bank accounts of farmers so that at least they have you know, some resource there to start the first steps to recovery. One of the main requests, even complaints we're hearing from people who have been devastated by Gabrielle is that 
they need they need help to clear silt debris slash you name it on the ground, and I know we're limited as to what we can do there. What what can the government do there? Can we channel heavy machinery into those areas, or are we doing as well as we can at the moment? Well, you know, it's physically getting machinery to the right place, which is a challenge. There's a lot of the forestry companies that have heavy machinery. They've offered it up for uh, track, you know, repairs and and restorations. But actually getting things from A to B is a challenge. And, um, you know, there's all the goodwill in the world. It's actually getting... Uh, physically getting those people and getting the machines to where they're needed and look, we'll be working as quickly as we can um, but it takes you know the combined effort, rural support trusts um, you've got uh, federated farmers on the ground, the, the councils uh, the army, um, there's a lot happening um, but still there are pockets where we just can't get to Talking about forestry do you think we need to have a rethink a reset, a recalibration for, for the industry? I know you've You've set up an inquiry into forestry slash. A lot of that is historical, by the way, and there might be better practices in place now. But the the status quo is just not going to do the job, is it? Well, it's, it's a hard one. And when you look at some of the photos and, and from the back country there, it's not actually forestry that's let the soil go. And a lot of that silt that we're dealing with, of course, um, has actually come from farmland and from hills. And, you know, trying to work out what is the, the best way to stabilise that land over the long term is going to be challenging. Um, it'll be a mix of the right trees, um, you know, maybe deeper rooting pasture species um, so that that soil hangs on. That's very, very valuable, that soil. Uh, most of it's really fertile. It's the most fertile stuff we lose often. Um, and, and forestry, making sure we have the right tree in the right place. And as I say, the, the slash inquiry um, and, and the changes that we've made will slow down what was what was rampant kind of planting. Um, and there'll be some people who have planted who have lost their trees We'll be thinking again about again about where they plant them, and uh, so a very challenging time for all people who own land and use the land um, and are involved in primary production. Right, are we going to have a rethink on on where we farm? And I, I think of the Esk Valley, one of the most well, it's probably the hardest hit area in all of this Gabrielle thing. But I mean, history has repeated itself there. In 1938, we had an equally devastating flood. I, I think, Jamie, we have to deal with the reality that the fertile soil is either on floodplains or it's in, in um, areas like the Haurihi Plains that are very low-lying, and the alternative is the hill country. And, of course, you know, stability around that is a challenge. We do, we do have to look back to history. Um, we've done a lot to improve with machinery, uh, our resilience, but in the end, nature is, is, is incredibly powerful. And... Uh, I grew up on the west coast here, remember an earthquake really early on and was told, um, you know, don't build under a hill um, and don't have anything above your bed because an earthquake might come and and you'll cop it. I think we do have to go back to some of those basic lessons. And if we are going to farm in those fertile river plains, uh, plains, we have to just be aware that they might get flooded or, you know, we have to upgrade the, the flood protection systems. Hey, one more fear. There, there is talk about the government maybe buying people out of houses on floodplains. Let's throw that over to the, the farming sector. Would the government look at buying out some orchards or farms and retiring that land? Is that uh, a possibility? Look, uh, I mean, you're going to run out of money. It's the biggest issue you've got. 
Uh, look, we are, and, and uh, you know, we don't have unlimited pots of money. And we have to remember that the insurance companies will cover quite a lot of this. And, and, you know, houses should be insured and should be, um, you know, people should get their money back on that. Where they choose to go is, I guess, one of the questions and, and there'll be some guidance needed. Uh, the banks have got a lot invested here and, uh, you know, they've funded people into, you know, what now might, in hindsight, be seen as a risky area. Look, it's, it's not their fault uh, no one's fault. It's just that how we share the responsibility for uh, the recovery. And I think it's it's all hands to the wheel. Um, government will do its part. Um, but in terms of, you know, buying people out, I, it was mentioned to me this morning that there's been no discussion on that. But clearly we're looking at a lot of very complex challenges. Really, really quickly, your Japan, your Japan. It probably mm-hmm. was a bit of a pain being in the plane for just basically flying over there and back. A couple of days with the trade minister, successful journey. Uh, look, we'll see. Um, CPTPP, which is a trade agreement, Japan's part of that. The UK wants to apply to be part of it. Very complex negotiations literally taking place in Vietnam at the moment. It was an opportunity to catch up with, um, you know, what are really strong trading partners in Japan, talk to people in the market and, and have discussions with ministers. So uh, a valuable visit. And um, uh, yes, we hope it will assist with the progression of CPTPP. Damien O'Connor, thanks for your time today. I realise you guys have had a hectic couple of weeks. Thanks, Jamie.